Hi. Welcome to episode three of the John Rogers podcast. I'll do that without the beeps. <clears throat> Hi, and welcome to episode three of the John Rogers podcast. So, I've been thinking about happiness, joy and contentment. So, we we give out a lot about social media, and rightly so. Um, but I came across something last week on Instagram that kind of made me stop and think, which is never a bad thing. And it taught me something that Like all good ideas, it's so simple. You're like, I was, I felt, right? I, I, I found myself thinking, how did I not know that? How did I not realize that before now? And it was about uh, community. A thing in the Economist. Um, and sorry, I apologize. I'm just setting the washing machine here. There we go. Doggies. And off we go. And my goodness, is this one beautiful. 5.37 p.m. moment here. This is exactly how I dream of November. Sorry to interrupt myself, but when I said 5.37 just then, I meant 3.37 p.m. Okay, back to me. Sun is low. Sky is clear. It's chilly. I'll be out on the road in a bit. I'm sure I'll, there'll be that good smell of cow dung it's good and the dog's gone missing the dog followed my mother-in-law down to their cottage so I'm going to see if I can find her okay where was I so yeah it was a thing about community in uh, it was specifically talking about the what I would regard as the great um, almost in a way hilarious uh, paradox of wealth and that um, what wealth does is it insulates you from the world. 
Um, if you get enough money, let's say you're you're a city liver, and you get enough love uh, enough money, um, you will more than likely buy a car, so you no longer have to take public transport, and that insulates you from the other people around you, which in the immediacy, especially for somebody like me, feels good, because other people can be bloody annoying. Uh, But in the long term, that's not a good thing. And that insulation continues. The more wealth you get, you get out of your apartment block and you get into a house. You get more wealth, you get into a bigger house with... Uh, with grounds and so on until you're living in a fine place out the country and obviously there are huge benefits to wealth your access to decent health care for instance your uh, access to decent legal aid if you need it your access to travel, your access to art, your access to uh, better food. Don't get me wrong. These are things I wish I had more of. and it's, These are things that I wish every citizen, not just in Ireland, but everywhere, had access to. But the insulation is a problem. Because a study, uh, more than one study cited in this article, show that what brings joy to the majority of humans is belonging in a community. Now, Instagram did that frustrating thing where I was in the middle of reading this post and it uh, refreshed and then I couldn't find it and then when I went on the uh, the Economist website I couldn't find it so but that thing about community grabbed my imagination and Uh, it's it's not a concept that I had never heard of before. That being part of a community uh, brings joy. But for some reason, reading it on Saturday, sitting on the couch, it just hit me. Oh, yes. Because I have a tendency to isolate myself, to insulate myself from other people. And... And then I'm wondering, why don't I feel, there's a dog, why don't I feel as content as I would have hoped? So this idea speaks to me. Now, I'm sure, Bonnie, come here. I'm sure... Actually, no, you can stay off the lead for now. Contentment. No, sorry, community. Yes, community. Now, I didn't get, like I said, I didn't get to read the article. So, uh,
I'm sure the article and the studies it cites talk about the difficulties of community. So if you are in any way different to what is wrongfully, of course, regarded as the ideal or the norm. If you're different in any way, if you're neurodiverse, or if you are in any way different to what is considered the acceptable norm, then community suddenly becomes dangerous. But putting that aside for a moment, community as a source of happiness and contentment. Sit! Is an important realization for me. So if we think about contentment and happiness... Peace of heart isn't uh, um, peace of mind and a heart at rest. Um, no, not a heart at rest. I'm not sure, quite sure what I'm trying to say there. Okay, but if we go back to the idea of content and happiness, contentment and happiness, there are, and I can't remember the name of the famous social scientist who talks about the hierarchy of needs, but you have the basic fundamental needs for survival that every human shares. We need uh, food in our belly, clothes on our back, roof over our head, warmth in the winter, uh, cool in the, in the summer, freedom, uh, security from violence. These are our basic fundamental needs and it's worth taking a moment to consider how many people on earth don't have access to those basic needs. But in order to flourish, as President Higgins often talks about, a human needs more than just those basic needs. On top, or maybe alongside those needs, we need, I'm starting to realize, we need community and a sense of purpose and it's dawning on me more and more that that is why I think I'm doing this podcast I feel cut off a little bit I don't want to over egg this so but I do feel a little bit cut off from society. Not sure why, but I, a lot of it is of my own doing. And also, it's to do with the fact that as you get older, friends move away and... I think in the past, in a weird way, it would have been 
easier without the modern modes of communication that we have access to that when a friend moved away you know if we go back in Irish history and we don't have to go far too far back either there was the American wake the American wake was when somebody was leaving their community to emigrate to America a wake was held the night before as if they were being lost forever because they were being lost forever. So I have, I'm lucky to have good friends. Uh, But I don't have any of them within walking distance of me. And the modern modes of communication that allow me to contact anyone anywhere. <laughs> I'm laughing now, I digress. You know, I wonder why I cut myself off from community. And then I go for a walk with the dog here. And I want to record this podcast and somebody comes along in a car, a neighbour that's just a little too loud and I feel my ire rising (laughs) for God's sake can't everyone just be a little bit quieter trying to think I know I'm the problem in that um equation anyway where was I yeah so I don't have any of my friends nearby and having god dog would you pick one side to walk on you know what folks I'm in a bad mood right now and I'm not sure why Okay, so uh, I think I know part of why I stayed up way too late last night And I'm tired Okay Come on, good girl What the hell was I saying? Yeah, okay, so that the modern modes of communication make it easy for me in a way to keep in touch with friends, uh, which made it not immediately obvious to me that they were all leaving Galway. And so my community is a virtual community in many ways. And I'm not from where I live. My wife is, but um, we're not really part of the local community, not yet anyway. Now we've only moved here properly recently, so it takes a while to bed in, but 
I'm I'm a non-believer. I'm a non-believer. Uh, but in moments like this, I can see why. Uh, so many people still go to mass. Even the word mass, I think, as far as I know, comes from the idea of a mass of people, a gathering. <sighs> okay, last week I mentioned McGarren, this week I'm thinking of McGarren again that uh, his last novel, <clears throat> That They May Face the Rising Sun, and uh, the, the neighbour Jamesy asks Rutledge, the uh, the 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 protagonist of the of the book, McGarren's alter ego in many ways. Why he doesn't go to mass? And Rutledge says, "I don't go because I don't believe. I'd be a hypocrite." Um, and Jamesy, the old neighbor, says, uh, "But none of us believe. We just go to look at the other hypocrites." <laughs> um, so. My community is scattered and I don't have roots where I live and I don't have a connection to, to, to many of the people around where I live yet. I know many of them already to say hi to and they're all decent folk but that's not quite the same thing. So community. And then the other one I mentioned was the sense of purpose. And that's the other reason I think I'm why I'm doing this podcast. Because I lack a sense of purpose at the moment. I have found myself stuck as an artist. The work I want to do moving on from here, as I mentioned, I think in the first episode, requires a good few people to work on it with me, which is... I'm designing it that way on purpose. So again, I'm starting to bring it, build a community around me. Oh God, that sounds weird. <laughs> sounds like I'm trying to create a cult that I'm trying to uh, create. I, I, look, let's not overthink this. I, I'm, I'm, I want to put a team together, so I'm not working on my own. Um, but like I, I have already mentioned. Like I've already mentioned, that requires funding that I don't currently have. Um, so in the immediacy, I lack a purpose. And, and as I said a couple of weeks ago, I also don't get out of the house enough. I don't experience the countryside which is strange because this is why we decided to move out to the countryside. Uh, so I am trying to make this weekly recording a part of my purpose. And also hoping, again, restating what I've already said in the last couple of weeks, hoping that in time... If I can make this podcast interesting enough, and that's where I want to start bringing other people in onto it and interview other people, 
If I can make it interesting enough, then it will start connecting me with more people, which will, um, again, feed uh, or help me find my community. You know, like a lot of us, I'm wondering, what do we do? And this is one of the the things I want to explore with this podcast. What do we do about the far right in Ireland, Europe, and further abroad? What do we do about the far right? How do you reason with people who are behaving so unreasonably? Of course, I'm thinking about this after what happened in Dublin last week. I don't know what to do about it. The only thing I can think of is that if you have enough people whose needs are not being met, if you've got enough people in society who don't have access, who don't have a secure access to those basic needs that I talked about, but also don't have a sense of purpose, then their community becomes riven with quite understandable discontentment and uh, but it also allows a space for untrustworthy narrative. Come on, dog. Hi. How are you? So, untrustworthy narrative. I think it was Maeve a kid who said to me once a long time ago when we were working together, okay, dog, you're coming off the lead. You're driving me nuts. You keep walking around me. I keep doing pirouettes. Just don't get run over by anyone, okay? I am in such a grumpy mood. Okay, so Maeve Cade said to me, that humans, unlike computers, so computers are data processors. That's machine intelligence it is data driven and it runs algorithms the human mind is a narrative processor we understand the world through the stories that we create from our living in the world in an attempt to understand the world we are storytellers and story takers. And the best stories are the ones that are uh, well you've got a hero, you put the you make the audience like the hero, then you put them in trouble, then you you bring them through the tribulations, you've got suspense. The best stories have suspense, they've got a, a element of danger. Um, 
they have surprises and they have a happy ending. Those are time and time again human humans our favorite stories. Kind of follow those uh patterns and models. Now I could be wrong about that, but that's the sense I get. It's certainly the case in Western society, I feel. They seem to be uh, the most popular stories. Western society, that's the phrase we should interrogate, interrogate another time. But anyway, so... But we also have... A love affair with the dark. We love ghost stories, we love horror stories, and we love dystopian futures. I don't know why that is. I see that the Booker Prize, I got excited there for a moment this morning when I heard that the the Booker Prize today has been awarded to another Irish writer. I was like, hmm, cool, I'm going to check this book out. And then I find out that he's written a dystopian future an Irish dystopian future I don't know if there's a weakness within me but my response to that is oh my god that's the last thing we need no I'm not criticizing a writer for writing whatever it is that his or her heart their heart uh, led them to write but as a reader as a member of the audience I'm left feeling unenthused again I am not knocking a book I haven't even read but we do seem to love for all I said about happy endings we do seem to love the the the, the opposite too there's a line somebody said recently about we all have a debt fixation, which is understandable because we all know that we're all going to die. So maybe that's why these bleak futures appeal to so many of us. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that the stories that are taking hold in these communities, but in the real world and online, is the story of the immigrant and the danger that the immigrant poses. It drives me nuts. Now, here we are again. That's so often we just keep as a species making the same fucking mistake over and over and over again the fear of the other the great replacement theory what a load of bollocks this idea that and it's nearly always the Jews are behind some great European conspiracy to replace the native white European with people of colour. Oh my God. (sighs) 
It's far easier to spread bullshit online than to speak the truth and have enough people hear the truth and believe the truth. So it's not like we can battle the bullshit by speaking the truth over and over again. I used to think that would be enough, but obviously it isn't. Now, I do think these things go in waves. And we're going through a global wobble now, where... And I do apologize in advance if the following sounds like a simplistic understanding, because here comes my narrative, my favorite narrative. But Western society, and there's that horrible phrase again, the powers that be, after the Second World War, asked themselves, how did a country like Germany fall, and Italy and elsewhere, fall for this horrible, empty rhetoric of fascism and Nazism. And so a conclusion was come to that we need social welfare. We need to look after the working classes of Europe so that they have some chance of having access to the basic needs and that if people are less frightened about where the next paycheck is coming from. They're less frightened and stressed out wondering how they're going to pay for food in the week ahead. They are less likely to fall for the narrative of these far-right charlatans who will come along and blame not the ridiculous institutions of capitalism for their ills, but blame the other. In the case of Nazi Germany, the other being the Jew. That's why Germany wasn't great anymore. And in order to make Germany great again, we will kill all the Jews. And so... The powers that be in the likes of the USA and the UK and elsewhere said we got to start making a better job at looking after the less well-off in society. And so we have this great surge in social welfare spending. And it worked for a while. But... Two things I think happened. First off, for whatever reason, the super wealthy amongst us <laughs> felt that they weren't making enough money, even though they were beyond rich and lived a life beyond the attainment of the vast majority of people. They felt they were being held back by big government spending and by large taxes because obviously these people were the ones that were getting taxed a lot to help pay for the social welfare. And they felt like 
And they considered this a almost... An almost... What's the word I'm looking for? Almost like a, 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 a deep injustice. Okay, sit. Yeah, come here. Come on. A deep, deep injustice. Sit. Good girl. That they weren't... That they were somehow being um, punished for their wealth and also were not being allowed to make even more profit. And this concept grew and grew until we get to the 1980s. Ronald Reagan, Margaret Thatcher cut the spending, cut the tax, cut the spending that underpins social, the social safety net that is social welfare. Cut the taxes that are paying for it. Let's make the rich even richer and nobody ever in these positions of power ever stopped to think what might be the consequences of this but I also think that in these societies like the one I grew up in and like our next door neighbours in the UK which is looking more and more like a failed state but that's for another day and in the USA which I'm almost fully convinced now is a failed state uh, and I hope I'm wrong about that by the way If I, in case it sounds like I'm somewhat gleeful about that I'm not but in our societies as religion died And I do not mourn its passing. Nothing really came in to take its place. And again, I know this is a simple reading of complex history. Recent history in the last 50 years or so. Whoa, that's way too fast. I feel like I stepped out into the middle of a rally here. So anyway... uh, Yes, as religion died, nothing really was designed to take its place. So what filled its place place instead was a quite understandable and in many ways to be uh, applauded breaking of the ties of community, which, like I said earlier, weren't always the most... Uh, enriching qualities if you were in any way different from the norm if you were gay for instance I mean Jesus in Ireland it was illegal to be to be so up until the 1990s but anyway the breaking of these bonds of community sent us too far in the direction and uh, by the way I say this as somebody who loves being alone but the, the, the bounding too far in the direction of uh, 
what you could almost call a rampant individuality which in its positive sense decries that every person is special every person has a high worth self-worth but on the negative side of the coin if that makes sense as an, as 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 a phrase uh This individuality could be best described as everyone for themselves. But the other thing that took the place of religion, which when you think about it, really, in ways, religion does provide us with those two things, a community and a sense of purpose. The purpose being, again, here comes another simple reading. The purpose being a, uh, you know, live well, obey the rules, the laws of God, and you will enter heaven. That's the sense of purpose. And that's then uh, underpinned by a belief that God loves you and God will look out for you if you're ever scared. God is there. So, as religion flounders across, and here I say it again, the Western world, what's taken its place is this quite understandable in many ways individuality, but also consumerism. that the purpose and the contentment will come from a better car. And I suffer from this myself, a better car, a better stereo, a better fridge. I'll never forget the time I knew that in 2007, 2008, that the whole economy was about to blow up. The first realization I had of that was coming home from work. I was working in a software house and... Lisbon at the time I was living in an apartment in Salt Hill came home from work put on the last word started cooking dinner there was an ad on the radio for a bank I can't remember which bank it was or it might have been for a credit card or whatever and the ad was the couple coming back to let's say November to a rainy Dublin in November they just got in off their uh, summer holidays, or sorry, uh, uh, of a sun holiday, and they are depressed to be back in, you know, miserable weather Ireland, and so they go straight online and book another one. And the ad, the point of the ad was, you know, you two deserve a second <laughs> sun holiday a year, and uh, to pay for it, why don't you get out another loan? And that's when I knew, uh-oh, we're in serious shit. So, consumerism. So you have these empty... Well, I'm, I'm not going to write off individual, individuality just yet. I, I, I haven't figured that one out. But, oh, I think it's fair to say that consumerism 
uh, turned out to be uh, unfulfilling. Like um, eating wheelies for lunch. <laughs> um, so, so you have these two forces where you have uh, the deeper needs of society aren't being addressed. Uh, the liberal democracies are doing much lauded work in in legislating for better rights for women. And too often this is dismissed as some sort of... It always seems to be dismissed by old white boys, by the way. They... They... The progress we have made in uh, fighting for legislation that enshrines uh, protection and rights for women, for people of color, for queer folk, and so on. Uh, that is progress. But that progress was made without any work done to, with all our desire for individuality, without actually a, a mainstream conversation about what does it mean to be content and happy and how can we ensure that it, that all citizens have this in their lives um, and then you have capitalism going as this is going on you've got capitalism going into overdrive So in many ways, now in 2023, it's not that surprising, really, when you stop and think about it, that we have a problem with the far right. Because if you if we don't address and I'm figuring this out as I speak, if we don't address the fundamental right for every citizen to feel a sense of purpose and to feel a real connection to community, and at the same time, the rich are getting richer and leaving the rest of us behind. And then throw, by the way, throw... Um, throw climate change on top of this and you really got a, a serious problem but if, if you don't address that fundamental those fundamental rights well at the same time an actual basic right a basic need uh, in the case of Ireland and elsewhere in Europe and, and elsewhere and that is a home is becoming less and less attainable um, and then If people, I, I believe, people have a deep 
deep-seated and real sense of injustice. I'm not being looked after. And then they see what appears to them more favourable treatment being given to the other. For some reason, and I have a theory about this as well, the, re- the reaction to that seems to be, instead of turning our one's anger towards the structures that have created this injustice in the first place, the anger is turned towards the other. It's it's zero sum. It's this idea that there is a finite amount of protection to be had. And that if Ukrainian refugees are getting it, that means I'm getting less. And what I'm trying to understand is that... What I'm trying to understand is why does the anger and the hatred... Is that it? Is that why the anger... At a completely understandable anger at the unjust nature of the world. Why it doesn't turn towards the super rich. And why it doesn't turn towards the structures that um, enable this injustice. Is that it? Is that, is that it? Is that it's easier to think... There's only so much cake. And if the feckin' foreigners are getting more cake than they deserve, that means less cake for me. Is that what it is? Because I've been, as I tend to do, ignoring a lot of the news from what went on in Dublin, but I've stumbled across it accidentally because the lads and second captains a podcast I listen to regularly, talked plenty about it, and Ken Early said one thing that just jumped out at him as he was there in the middle of it was the rage, the level of rage on the streets. Now, I think that rage is justifiable. It's, However, it's been sent entirely in the wrong direction. We are, the vast majority of us, the 99% of us, who, who are just trying to get by, we are fighting amongst ourselves. Rather than pointing that anger, that rage, at the actual source of our injustice. And I think the reason for that is that the injustice, the big injustice that I'm talking about, and that is the horrendous inequality, global inequality, the horrendous unequal sharing of our global resources and wealth 
amongst all of us on this planet, that that great injustice has existed within all human societies, it seems, for so long, possibly from the advent of agriculture, if not even prior to that. Maybe it was even always within the species that we evolved from, but that that hierarchy of the wealthy and then the rest of us, the pyramid, is so old and so ingrained in all of our societies that I think that for most of the time, the majority of the time, the majority of us don't even see it. We forget it's even there. And so that there's almost a sense that that injustice is almost God-given. It's almost... It's almost baked into the natural order of the world that to fight against it, even if you're poor, to fight against it is somehow heretical. Or if it's not heretical, it's a complete waste of time. We can't fight that injustice. Therefore, we have to face facts and realize that for the vast majority of us, there is an ever-dwindling pot of resources and wealth that we might have any hope of getting access to. Therefore, we have to fight for our own. And here again, we get the, the dark side of community. We fight for our tribe and we sure as hell don't give an inch to the other, to the immigrant and so on, who's trying to come in and take it off us. That's, that's the narrative that I have found to help me understand what the hell is going on. And I'll be damned if I know what to do about it, if I am right. There's a full moon just coming up now over the fields. I can't remember if it was full last night or if it's full now tonight, but it's beautiful. I used to love that sense. Because it's striking me now because I mentioned coming home and and the last word. I used to be uh, comforted by that sense of a nation listening to the radio on the way home from work without realising that now looking back I felt like I was part of the world and it was the economic crash of 2008 Uh, that was the first moment where I started feeling like this system we were living in might not be as 
solid as I thought. And I miss that sense of security. And I'm only realizing that of late. I miss dreaming about the future as well. Because, and maybe this is the result of growing up, you know, a teenager in the 90s and every Saturday from September to May, every Saturday night I had an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and what a hopeful idea that was for our future, our shared future, the future of humanity. But I used to believe like like a believer believes in God, I believe that the future was going to be better, that we were heading on a line towards a peaceful future. Now, it's worth pointing out, by the way, that in that canon of the next generation, there was the idea that in the 21st century, uh, society, civilization on earth pretty much fell apart. And that the future that is Star Trek came out of, in many ways, the ashes of a broken world. And that's worth pointing out. Anyway, wow, <laughs> I didn't think I'd end up sounding like such a geek in this moment. But anyway, I used to believe that the future would be better. I never doubted that. I didn't think we'd go there in a straight line. I always thought there'd be ups and downs. But primarily, I believed we were heading in the right direction. But the two things that are knocking that faith are climate change and the rise of the far right. For the first time in my life, in the last two or three years in particular, I feel, to put it mildly, very unsure about where we're going as a species. And as someone who has young kids, that's a pretty fucking unnerving feeling. It's disquieting. And it's ruining everything at the moment. The peace I would have found on the walk that I've just shared with you now, eludes me. Now, that's my truth in this moment in time, as it just goes 4.30pm on a beautiful November evening. But that peace eludes me. And the only thing I can think of in the immediacy, the only three things I can think of is the first thing is what my friend Zita would say, which is feel the uncomfortable feeling. Don't be afraid to feel the uncomfortable feeling. Feel it. Allow yourself to feel it. And it'll pass quicker that way. The second thing I'm thinking is...
that the quickest path to mental health for me is to remain in the here and the now. To keep my mind where I am now and and to keep my mind when I am now. So where I am here and when I am now. To try not dwell on the past or worry too much about the future. And try not to be off wondering about what's happening elsewhere. To stay in this moment. And so those are connected because if you're feeling a little low or sad, one, understandably, one, one wants to get out of one's, one's skin and, and not be in the here and the now. But like Sita said, feel the uncomfortable feeling. It won't last. And then the third thing that I need to consider is that it's great now. These are that's three Mondays in a row, three weeks in a row where I've gotten out and walked the dog, done the loop. But I don't need to record a podcast every time I do it. So there's the uncomfortable feeling for me is the idea of taking this slow hour long walk with the dog without talking to myself. My God, whatever would I do? Okay, I think that's enough for today. If you have listened to this, I I thank you, I think. But for now, it's enough for me just to record this and to put it up online. Still haven't figured out how to get it onto Apple Podcasts, but at least it's there on Spotify and elsewhere. So, And the John Rogers Show is on every Friday morning, 10 a.m., live. So check that out, johnrogershow.com. Thanks for listening. I'll, see, I'll have another podcast next week. Um, episode one is up. Episode two and now episode three of, are now recorded. So I'll put the two of them up and then I'll see about putting one up every week. Maybe a Monday night after I record it. It is beautiful here. And my God, am I a lucky man. But I am... not as happy as I thought I would be. And on that note, (laughs) I say, (laughs) thanks for listening and see you soon.